Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, we have a guest I'm very excited to have on the show, Wesleyan Greer of Transformational Sales. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on. Um, Wesleyan, when I start the show with my sales leaders that I have on, I always ask the question, what are the three things that have really contributed to their success? Uh, with the type of work that you do with sales leaders, in your opinion, what are the things that make a sales leader successful? Mm. So I say it's, it's all about the three P's and it's people, process and profit. And I put profit at the end and people at the beginning, because essentially without the right people in place, you're not going to be profitable and building a process without having the right people in place, you won't ensure that you have profit. So again, get the right people in place, ensure that they have a good process to follow so that you can be profitable as a leader. I love that. That's easy to remember too. Easy to remember the three P's. And right. my clients are always like the three P's, Wesleyan, I'm focused on. And when they send me emails, it's actually like, this one is about people. This one is about process. This one is about profit because and everything that we do, we keep it in those three buckets, which if it doesn't fit in those three buckets, then why are you even focusing on it, right? Because so many times as sales leaders, there's so many things that pull us from all these different directions. And if we're not focused, then yep. everything falls apart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love that. How'd you get your start in sales? So I am actually a chemist by trade. And when I was a chemist working in the lab, I realized that I wanted some more people interaction, right? Like it was just me in the bubble. And what I did was failure analysis at a plastics company. So I would get like a big igloo cooler that cracked and figure out what happened. And so I wanted to know more about, okay, why did this actually happen? It wasn't meant to crack. And I entered into the sales role because I was always so curious. Mm -hmm. And I tell people when I got into sales, I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I love everything about sales. I loved everything about it. And because of my love and my passion and desire, I made a fast ascent from individual contributor to international sales manager. And one thing that I realized as an international sales manager was when I was a new sales rep, there were tons of resources. Right. I mean, every book every webinar or training. But when I was a new sales manager and figuring out how to hire people mm -hmm. that were profitable and giving them a process, right? It, it was just like all on me. Yep. So a few years ago, I started my business and I really focused on helping sales managers develop into leaders. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times as managers, you're so tactical, you're not strategic. Mm -hmm. And really developing into that leader is where my passion lies. I love that. It, it's interesting when I talk to people and ask them about their journey, that the, the people that come from the scientific or engineering backgrounds, when they uh, switch into sales, I know it's not always, they're not always successful, but it, 
the experiences I have with the people that I know personally, they all seem to be incredibly successful as salespeople. What do you think is, what is it about the, the scientific mind and being successful at sales? Mm. Do you have any thoughts so, on that? I, you know, it's, I always, it's always in two camps because if you're a scientist or engineer or somebody in that very technical field and you have that desire to do a little something more, that means that you're not necessarily, you're not really an introvert and you're not an extrovert, right? right. So you kind of toe on that little line between introverted and extroverted. And one of the best characteristics in salespeople is the ability to listen. And so as scientists and engineers, we're taught to listen, like you just shut up and listen, what are the problems that are happening? And then after you listen, you have to figure out the why, the what behind it. And so when you think about people from those very technical backgrounds, that's the reason I think that they become good salespeople because of their ability to listen and dissect the problem into the smallest minute details. That's a great, I love that. That's the best answer I've ever gotten on that. That makes perfect sense. Um, let's talk about people because I, as a sales leader, um, that I love that you, that's your number one, because I, I think that should be the number one for every sales leader. Um, if I'm a sales leader and I need to build a team, um, how, what is, what is my priority around people? I would, let me start with what you don't do. So what you don't do is hire industry insiders. Don't get your competitors rejects. Like do not do that because mm -hmm. if they were let go from their competitor or if they're willing to leave the competitor for a salary just the same or like the base salary excites them, that means they're not producing anything, right? Mm -hmm. So those are leading indicators. And I always, always tell sales managers, sales leaders, it's about solid sales skills. All of the things about, you can teach them your products, your services, you teach them the technology, but what you can't teach somebody is really solid sales skills. So look for someone who has those skills. If you're selling a complex technical um, piece of equipment, mm -hmm. you may say, no, I would never hire somebody who sold insurance, but why not? Because ins people who sell insurance are 100% commission-based. And if they can prove to you that they made six figures selling mm -hmm. insurance, that's what you want because they're hungry, right? right and right. again, you can teach them the product. Right. What if I'm a sales leader coming into a new organization? What are those first things I need to do focused on people? Mm. So the first thing that you need to do is almost like, you know, when you um, are a teacher and they tell you, you have to establish your authority or the kids are going to run over you. <laughs> it's the same thing with the brand new sales manager, right? If you don't establish yourself as the authoritative figure, the person who takes, you know, you don't take anything, right? right? And there's always that balance of having empathy and just being a pushover. Yep. And a lot of times it happens when a salesperson is promoted up through the ranks and their buddies become their uh, employees. Right. And so they don't know how to say no or push them a little bit harder. So yep. when you're a new sales manager in that environment, it's really, really important for people to focus on, okay, I need to establish authority and take it a step further. You need to set up individual meetings with every salesperson on your team. 
get to know them, get to know them as a person, get to know what drives them. Like what are their personal goals, right? They mm. have a, a bonus and commission structure, but maybe they're trying to buy a new house. Right. So you know that, hey, when I'm in a meeting with them and we're talking, we're going through pipeline review, you say, hey, that's great. You close that deal. You're $2,000 closer to your down payment. Right? right. And so really getting in there, establishing yourself as that authority and then taking it a step further and really, really working with people one on one is key. Yep. How does a new sales leader assess a team or what's the proper way for them coming in when they're meeting with them and doing the one on ones? What are the things they should be looking for? So there there are tools and there are tools that we use within uh, my organization. And these tools are really a very objective measure of finding a, a sales leader, right? They're an objective measure of a sales leader understanding what the, the team needs. And it, it has like 21 distinct characteristics. One of them is sales technology, CRM, social selling. Um, another one is their ability to listen, right? And so using an objective tool like that, if you go into the organization with something like that, it puts you a step further because you know exactly what to coach those people on. You're not waiting for three months and seeing right. that this person isn't producing and figuring out, oh, okay, so they don't like the prospect, right? But in our business, if we don't prospect, we don't get anything. Right. And then after you use that very, very subjective, um, I'm sorry, the very objective measure, you should have a little checklist, right? And um, I did this with a client recently. It's a, it's a little chart, right? You have effort on one side and you have quota on the other side. You make four boxes and you plot everybody in there, right? right. And <laughs> literally the people who are giving a lot of effort and are at the low quota, those are the ones you work with first. Those are the ones you work with more closely because if they're putting a lot of effort in and they're not hitting quota, they just need some small tweaks. Mm -hmm. Like, let's fix this or let's do that, right? The ones who are low quota and low effort, you have to decide as a sales manager, is it worth your time? Right. Because if they're not trying and they're not hitting their quota, should you try? And sometimes, you know, you have, you try a little bit, but how long, right? Yeah. I'll give it 60 days or 90 days, but I'm not going to give it six months right. because again, low effort, low quota. What about the top performers? What do I do as a sales manager with my top people? So with the top performers, I always say, you know, a lot of organizations, they have these KPIs or this or that. I call it foolishness because I'm not a KPI pusher. Um, and you want those top performers to do this just to check a box. And again, if they're in that top quadrant of high effort and high quota, leave them alone. But there's going to be one or two things that you can work on with them. Because mm -hmm. if that top performer is at 100% of quota every month, what do we need to do to get them to 105 or to 110, right? right. And so right. it's just going to be a small tweak. And that small tweak or the small area that you can coach them on, because they're a high performer, they're going to do it. They're going to take it. And you right. might want them to get 5%, but they might get 10% or 20%, right? Right. right? Right. So uh, as a, uh, a sales leader, and I've got my top performers, they're crushing it. What are some techniques I can use to transfer their success to that middle tier that's trying to become a top performer? 
That's the second P, process. Boom. <laughs> That's the process. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. You build your sales process not based on what the corporate office wants it to be or what your box wants it to be. You base your sales process off what's working in the field. And the way you figure out what's working in the field is you talk to the top performers, right? You right. say, okay, so what do you do when a lead comes in? Then what do you do? How long do you wait? Like literally build the sales right. process based on those top performers. Right. And then you beta test it with the middle of the pack people to see if they're able to kind of step up. Right. And then once it's refined, you roll it out to the low performers, right? right? And that's actually the way you build the sales process, not based on what you want them to do or your boss right. wants them to do or the corporate right. office wants them to do. Right, or those KPIs or things like, you know, that you might wanna, the management team might wanna see, um, but you know, how do you balance that as a sales leader where you've, you're getting that pressure that, like, hey, we wanna see these numbers, um, but it, it really isn't adding value to the sales team. How do you manage that? So KPIs typically come about when your team is not performing. Um, if your team is performing well, your manager is gonna leave you alone because they know you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So when those KPIs come down, I, I don't encourage managers to buck the system, but I always take the KPI a step further. So sometimes I'll have a KPI of number of phone calls you make in a day. Right. I don't care how many phone calls you make. I want to know how many phone calls converted. Right. So the corporate says make phone calls. My KPI to the team is how many of those calls converted because right. the more conversions we get along right. the process, the less they're going to be on my back, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Your, your team is a reflection of you. So again, take the KPIs, do it, but focus on the conversion action. Right. How a big part of I think of KPIs is people pick a lot of times the wrong KPIs. Um, how do you uh, massage things, or do you have any recommendations for people on how they can help guide what KPIs they should be using? So again, for me, a KPI is all about a conversion. Mm -hmm. So when I think about how many incoming leads are converting to discovery calls, how many discovery calls are converting to demos, how many demos are converting to proposals. Like, right. so think about not the action, but what is the outcome of the action? Because right. the outcome tells you anybody can call 20 people in a day. Anybody can do that. Right. But only the good salespeople can convert five of those 20 people, right? Oh, yeah. And the low performers are gonna make their 20 calls and that's it. There's gonna be nothing, right? There's yep. gonna be no conversion. Yep, I, I was reading Hyper Sales Growth by Jack Daly and he was talking about that where um, he was working with a company and, and they were all about like, hey, we need, you know, our, our call numbers, the number of calls a day, that metric is gone in the floor, you're killing us, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but, but you're, the sales numbers have gone through the roof, you know, because we're focusing on the right calls, not just, you know, if I can make your call number go sky high, you're not going to have any money you know, because exactly. you're focusing on the wrong thing. And, you know, the top salespeople, when they get those ridiculous KPIs, they just do it, check the box and keep going. Right. And what happens is the sales, and I take this above a sales manager because a sales manager, they're in tune with their people. So usually if there's something is coming above their level, so maybe the right. VP of sales or the CEO or whoever that upper yep. crust is, and they're like, well, hell, look at this person. 
they're making their 20 calls and they're hitting their number. Yep. No, <laughs> it's not because they're smart. They right. don't want you on their back. So they do what they have to do. And then they just keep rolling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even thinking about comparing one person to another, because some people may not be as good at converting the lead to the discovery call, but they may be really good at that discovery call to that demo. So they really don't need to have as many leads. Whereas other people, if they're not as strong at the end, they need more at the top of the funnel. Right. So when companies put this one dimensional, you know, view of success right. into the whole sales team, it just, it hurts the organization more than it helps it. Right. I always ask this, or I like to ask this question uh, when I interview sales leaders is, you know, beyond just the revenue number, what's your definition of success? What is your recommendation for a sales leader? What their definition of success should be? So again, going back to my effort and quota chart, right. right? So when I think about success, it when I ask a sales leader, who is your top salesperson or who are your top salespeople? They always give me the one who's hitting quota. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's more about consistency. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people can have a really great year and then they could be duds for the next two years. Right. So a definition of success is consistency, right? So if you have somebody who is consistently at 90% of quota every single month, your goal needs to be to bump them up. They're a good salesperson because they're consistent, right? right. right. Um, and it's the small tweaks that I talked about and thinking about that individual, what can I do to elevate them more? And the person who, when you say, hey, we have this new initiative, we have this new tool that's gonna help you do your job better. They say, okay, I'm open to trying it. Maybe it won't work out, but at least I'll try it, right? right. So they're willing to try new things to help their business grow. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm huge on process. I, I very passionate about it. Uh, when it comes to sales, as well as just op traditional operational processes with an organization. Um, what's your advice for someone that, you know, that uh, maybe they're coming into a new organization and process isn't what it should be? What should they focus on first to get process under control? So I know this is probably going to be music to your ears, but um, I love the CRM. <laughs> so I tell people like that's where you we start the conversation. I'm working with a new company right now and I looked in the CRM. I'm like, what you guys do all week? There's nothing in here. Like if it's not and I tell people if it's not in the CRM, it didn't happen. Right. And there's no way for you to have a healthy pipeline of I don't care what your business is, but a healthy pipeline should be 50 to 500 deals, right? right. How can you remember all of the details of right. every single deal, right? If it's not in there. So I say start in the CRM. And when you're in the CRM, you're going to see the people who have good CRM integrity, right? Yep. So you'll go and see every single call they made. You'll see notes. You'll see proposals, demos. You'll see that. And usually that's a pretty dotted line to the ones who are more successful. Sometimes there are the outliers who are able to juggle all those things and they're they're more of the I call it the you know the the wild wild west kind of salespeople mm -hmm. <laughs> like they've right. always done it that way they've never put anything in electronics but 
again, usually the people who have the best kept CRM are your better salespeople. So you can take that and then um, look at the ones who are not using the CRM, right? And those are going to be your, your lower performers. And I say, I like to tell, um, uh, so a KPI that I give for my clients mm -hmm. is uh, to do a, a literally a daily spot check of the CRM. So just pick any opportunity, any salesperson and see what they put in there, right? Yep. And if you go in there and they've done something good, you send them a note straight away. Hey, Bob, I just looked at this opportunity. You did a really good job of qualifying them. Keep up the good work, right? Yep. And if they are not doing good, you send them a note. Hey, I just looked at this opportunity and it's it's been sitting in this one stage for 375 days. Right. What's going on here, right? Yep. So you have to really enforce the, the these tools because this is how we build our process. Yep. That's how the whole process starts with you digging in to see what is actually happening. Right. Um, how can sales managers or sales leaders leverage CRM as a learning tool? Mm, oh, yes. How can we make it a learning <laughs> tool? So the way that you can use your CRM as a learning tool is I like to say that anyone from the CEO down to the person who is taking out the trash yep. should be able to pull an opportunity out and they should be able to know by looking in the CRM who the customer is, what their problem is, how we're solving their problem, the right product, everything, right? Yep. Like it, they should be able to know exactly everything about that opportunity or that deal by looking in the CRM. So the way that you use that to teach is, again, in your team meetings, you pull up this opportunity that you saw and you say, hey, do you see this opportunity? It took six months to close, but look how many activities were in here. Look how many touch points mm -hmm. and not just random phone calls, a call to check in. It's a phone call. It's a personalized note that was sent out. It's a, we went and had lunch. We went and played golf, right? So you model the things that those reps are doing. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't even need to be something where you're putting, um, you're elevating something. It's just let, let me show you how to use it the right way and how it can help your business. Because for salespeople, I tell them, this is your small business. You put into it what you get out and what you'll get out. So garbage in, garbage out. If you want to make money, because salespeople make money, the more they do, you need yep. to do these things. Yep. I love that. Um, what about uh, rejection is a huge part of sales. Um, tracking, you know, the, the lost deals in CRM, I think is, is a very important aspect of the sales process. What are your thoughts around that? You know, this pet peeve I have around lost deals is we lost on price. And like, I, I'm like, you should never lose on price because you, that means, so when I see lost on price, what I tell the salesperson is no, you failed as a salesperson. Like you must take ownership for this because a lot of times they don't want to take ownership. And mm -hmm. so for, and again, it depends on what the sales cycle is, right? Um, but for those deals that have a very long sales cycle, um, I always recommend you have to do a postmortem 
So again, if you have good CRM integrity and right. you've done what you should do, you, the sales manager should sit down with the salesperson and literally rip the deal apart. Yep. What did you miss? What went wrong? What did you not hear? If at the end they said, you don't have this feature, so we went with your competitor, you missed something in your qualification. Yep. You didn't uncover the need that they had for this thing or this item, or you max out it 10 licenses and we need 500, right? right? So really at the end of the day, you have to do a post-mortem because it's okay to lose a deal, yep. but it's not okay to lose a deal the same way twice. Right, right. Love it, love it. And again, if that data is not in CRM, you're not gonna have a very good post-mortem. No, you're not. If it just is, it opened, you sent a proposal, it closed, lost on price. Again, a teaching tool. So you teach the same way to show this is why you lost it. Like, what did you know about this deal? What was the problem that they were having? What was the impact to their organization? Yeah, yeah. Yep. How do you motivate uh, a team when it comes to, uh, you touched on this a little bit, but there, there always are, or actually there always are, but occasionally you get people that just, they don't see the value in CRM or, or they just don't want to participate. What are some strategies you recommend for getting that buy-in and getting those people to engage with the platform? So, you know, when people, so again, and this is very, a very non-traditional view for that person that is putting the effort in, they're hitting quota. So when I say putting effort in there, if they're a field sales rep, they're traveling a lot. So I'm seeing them out on the road. I'm getting expense receipts from them. They're closing deals. They're at a hundred percent or, or closer to of quota then um, those people, I, I mean, I kind of, I, I ease them into it, right? I don't want to force them to do something because honestly, I don't need to rock the boat. It's the people who aren't hitting quota and who aren't putting in the effort, right? So the way that I really motivate them to use it is at the end of the day, salespeople are in sales because they want to make money, mm -hmm. right? Commission bonus you want to make money and if you're not hitting quota you're not making money so the way i model so a lot of times in a crm you have like a sandbox version right so in the sandbox version i'll typically have good good deals bad deals right ones that were won ones that were lost and i'll show them why right mm -hmm. and then i i ask that simple question um what if you have 50 50 opportunities active today. How can you remember everything that right. happened? And they say, it's all in my head. Okay, let's go through your pipeline. And then ask them about every single one. Yep. Ask them who the decision maker is. Yep. What, what are their needs? What's the problem right. here? What's their budget here? And then they won't have the answer. And yep. then you just make them do it. That's yep. when I institute KPI. Yep. That's when I'm like, you must do this. <laughs> if you do not do this, we are going to have problems. Yep, yep. Yeah. And the other part of that too is um, even the top salespeople hit down periods. They hit tough times. Everybody does. And, but if you're not tracking things in CRM, how are you as a leader going to be able to engage and really help them maybe tweak those things? You know, as you're saying, making those small adjustments that maybe get them out of the slump. 
And you know, the thing is when those top salespeople have slow periods, they rebound quickly because they go back to a, a customer that they had, they closed a year or two ago and they'll be like, oh, hey, we have this new product, but we have this new add-on, right? So they their slump isn't as low because they have all the information. Oh, Kathy had a baby. Maybe I should send something for the one year birthday, right? Um, oh, this person just got married or, oh, they like golf. Maybe I'll, let's go golfing. Right. Because all of that stuff should be in the CRM. It's literally the database of everything about the opportunity, right. the people, the company, yep. everything. Yep. Yep. What made you decide you wanted to be a coach and, and, and do what you're doing? I just absolutely love to help people get that aha moment, right? I really intimately remember when that was me, I was struggling. Like, I can't get, I can't motivate my people. I can't hire the right people. Like, what am I doing? Why am I a sales manager? I'm making less money than I was before. I'm responsible for all these people. And it's like so stressful and it's a thankless job, especially when you're new in sales management. And I figured it out. And I want to share everything that I learned, all of the tools, the tips, the tricks on how to really be a successful sales manager. And, you know, the the words that I, I live by are teaching empowerment, right? And so that's really what I do with the sales leaders. I teach them empowerment because a lot of times the sales, I found that sales managers, they think when they don't lead their team well, that their sales skills are low, right? Mm-hmm. They don't think that they're as good salespeople as they thought. So they're doing sales training, right? So a lot of times it's like, no, you're a good salesperson. You're doing the right things. It's you need some leadership development. And what I do is I marry those two things, the sales skills and the leadership development, because everything that I do to develop the leader leads to revenue. Like we're not oh, doing yeah. anything just to, to you know make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. So, right. yeah. Right. You know, it can be so isolating when you're in new in management, you feel so alone. Um, was there a specific moment that you remember making that, like you're having that individual aha moment where like, I think I'm beginning to get this? I think, so I had this employee, this salesperson that told me, he said, Wesley, you have this unique ability to know everything that's going on without micromanaging us at all. And I was like, okay, great. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like, they know that I know everything that's happening, but I'm not annoying them. I'm not calling and checking. And when is this closing? When is that happening? Let's travel together. I wasn't doing that. So I knew that that was the moment that I was like, okay, I figured it out. That's awesome. That's a great story. We're coming up on our end time here on Sales Lead Dog. Um, I've really enjoyed having you on listening to you. If people want to reach out and connect with you, Wesleyan, what's the best way for them to do that? The absolute best way is on LinkedIn. Um, Wesleyan Greer on LinkedIn. Um, I post a lot of content, lots of videos, mm-hmm. good information for people to follow me and, and reach out, connect with me. I would love to chat with anyone. That's awesome. Thank you again for coming on Sales Lead Dog. It's been great listening to you talk. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.